continue the third part of this subject we're looking at now for us as leaders, but also for all the people of the, in the body of Christ. And uh, the subject we've been covering is the kind of people we need around us in order to fulfill God's purposes. And if you remember two sessions ago, I asked you to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 and 26 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through to 31. And then 1 Chronicles chapter 12 the first 22 verses, and we're looking at Jacob's sons, the, their names and what those names mean, and in 1 Chronicles 12, we find also that uh, it says something about each one of them, what were their strengths and what they brought into the relationship with David, and so we pick up now with, uh, I think it's the fifth kind of person that we need, and that's uh, looking at the name of Zebulun, and Zebulun means dwelling. In other words, uh, know how to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, living in the protection and also in the presence of Almighty God. And Jesus said that the Father will come to us and he will dwell within us, make his, our lives and our, our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit, the holy habitation of God. <clears throat> and... Uh, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, looking at this uh, Zebulun, protection and presence, dwelling, 1 Chronicles 12.33 says of these men that they were experienced soldiers, prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. So um, we want people who know how to stay close to God. And we need to ourselves be able to come to that place in our lives where we stay close to God. Um, I've got a few little things here that about them. They were mature, brave warriors. They know what God has given us uh, to do to overcome the enemy at all times. And you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse four and, verses 4 and 5 where it talks about the the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Revelation 12, 11 talks about they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. And so we, we, we need people around us and we need ourselves to become so that we can be to others as well that come around us. Uh, those mature, brave warriors that know how to use the weapons of our warfare. Um, we, you can have a look at Ephesians chapter 6 as well, the armor of God. But just quickly me saying, we know the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the word of God. These are weapons. The, the word of God is a sword. Uh, the promises of God. The, how to pray, wrestling before God. How to praise, etc., etc. And these people all came to help David with undivided loyalty. In other words, we want people who come all out for Jesus. Not with, uh, they want self-promotion. They come to help, not to hinder. People who know how to honor one another in a protective way, not critical. They don't listen to criticism unnecessarily. You know, the Titus chapter 3 verse 10 and Romans chapter 16 verse 17 tells us that we're to uh, mark a divisive person. Warn them once, warn them twice, and after that have nothing more to do with them. That's how God sees divisive people. He's actually saying, have nothing more to do with them. Now, he doesn't say that about even us 
uh, believers towards unsafe people. But to divide a pe divisive people, I don't know that the body of Christ has got to that place yet. Even in leadership, I, the leaders invite into their pulpits divisive men, men who have uh, lied about people, who spread rumors about people, who self-promote. And self-promotion is, is divisive. It really is it's dividing between God, Christ's loyalty to Christ and loyalty to themselves. When you're trying to self-promote and everything centers around you, it's divisive, not only between believers, because it does eventually call that, cause that, and people say, well, I'm of Paul or mine or Apollos. Uh, we want people who come with undivided loyalty to Christ, to serve him with all their hearts, all out, and we need to be that ourselves as believers. That's, that's part and parcel of what God wants us to be. How, how to honor each other. We won't listen to unnecessary criticism. That dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Take Psalm 91 again for yourself. Read the first 16, those 16 verses. I mean, it is just such a wonderful, protective psalm. We need to be claiming those promises. We need to be speaking them back to God, speaking them over our church, speaking them into the church, speaking them into our families and our lives. Uh, that we realize that we are holy habitation of God, His temple and His building. Read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 again, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, etc., and see again what we should be and what the kind of people God wants to bring around us. So protective people are people who know the presence of God. And I'm not talking about the presence of God in some weird way. I'm talking about God with them, helping and sustaining and strengthening them, constantly all the time there with them all right so we move on to the next name and see what we can learn from that the next one is benjamin and benjamin means son of my right hand uh, in other words authority the right jesus is seated at the right hand of the father of good the father in heaven uh, the right hand speaks of authority and as i said in my introduction i think when i was talking about the different names this man benjamin his mother called him benoni and Benoni meant son of my sorrow. But his father straight away changed that and said, no, Benjamin, son of my right hand, authority, power. We need powerful people. And God wants to bring us people of power, the Holy Spirit power, the authority of Christ. And he wants us to be that too. People who know who they are in Christ. Now, I mentioned this about Benoni. That's what his mother tagged him with. I don't know what people have tagged you with, but your father, that was his father. His father said, no, it's not son of my sorrow. It's son of my right hand. Your father in heaven does not call you that. He calls you a son and an heir and a co-heir and a co-laborer with Christ. He's given you all these precious names. We need to know who we are in Christ. What he has made us, all in and through Christ, who no matter what people tag us with, live by what God calls us, who know how to exercise that authority that Jesus has given us to bring blessing, to bring release, to bring victories, to bring breakthroughs, not always chasing after things, but who know how to just get before God and hear him and know what to do because of who they are, what God has made them, and what God is seeking to make the church. Moving on quickly because of time, 
we come to the next one. I think it's number seven uh, that God wants to bring around us. And the, the name here is Naphtali. And Naphtali means wrestling. In other words, prayers, people who know how to fight in the place of prayer. Those who know how to storm the gates of hell. It's not even a term you hear anymore. To storm the gates of hell. That know that prayer is a part of the powerhouse of God. Individual prayer for my own life. This temple called Dudley, Dudley's body. That know that prayer for in my life is, the, is a part of the powerhouse of God. That know that in the church they belong to. They, they fellowship and they committed to, they're accountable to, that prayer is the powerhouse of that church. And that also know that in the translocal team, that translocal apostolic prophetic ministry, that prayer is the powerhouse for them as well. And so we need people around us that know how to pray for themselves, pray for the local church and pray for the translocal church into the nations. Read for yourself in Psalm 18, verses 29 through to 36. Please do this. I'm imploring you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Take your Bibles and read these prayers. Psalm 18, verses 29 to 36. Psalm 144, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 8, verses 28, right through to verse 39. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. These are part of storming the gates of hell and knowing the truth of, of these scriptures that we don't just quote them but we know by the convincing of the spirit of god the conviction inside of our hearts that these are true who stand upon claim and confess god's promises who know how to use the weapons of our warfare who know that god greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world as 1 john chapter 4 verse 4 tells us who know the truth of 2 kings 6 verses 16 through to 18 prophet has to say, Lord, show them, help this man to see that they're more for us than, than, than are against us. We've got to know these truths, confess them, stand upon them, claim them. Like Jacob, we need to get to when Genesis chapter 32, verse 29, 24 through to 29, when he's wrestling with that angel who says, I will not let you go unless you bless me, until you bless me. We need prayers. Naphtali. The next one, I think it's the eighth one, is Pioneers. The name is Manasseh. And as I said earlier on, God has caused me to forget all of my past, all of the injuries, my pain. <clears throat> Manasseh, causing forgetfulness. So just, just let me read this to you. Genesis chapter 41, verse 51, it says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, this is Joseph now, not Jacob, and said, <coughs> it is because God has made me forget all my trouble, <coughs> excuse me, and my father's house or household, all my trouble and my father's household, the past. People who, who know how to forget, get over, not live in and rehearse and nurse and rehearse, replay, retell people about all their pain, all the things they've gone through. Sometimes that may be necessary to encourage someone, but not when you're seeking self-pity. Forget all my troubles 
and my father's household, not always hankering after something back there. So that's why I call them pioneers. They forget and they're forging forward. And this is absolutely essential in believers if we want to count for God. We've got to forget and forge forward, press on to the high calling. Now, I want to read this to you from Philips in chapter 3, verses 12 through to 16. I'm just picking out some parts of it. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet. Well, that's what he's pressing on to take hold of. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Are you a pioneer? Read Psalm 84 again to verses 4 through to 7. Set their hearts on pilgrimage. We have to truly choose to forget if we want to forge ahead. Now there's a threefold forgetting that's essential. I'm sure there's more to it than this, but I think these three little things I want to share with you now will help you. They cover almost everything. You have to forget your past, its achievements, and all of its successes. Now you can thank God for them. I thank God daily for some of the things we've seen Him do down in and through our lives over the, the last 50 years. Thank God for people in my life. Thank God for moves of the Spirit of God. Thank God for people who got saved, people who've been healed, marriages put together again, lives restored, churches planted, leaders raised up, teams going out all over the world. But I don't forget that in this, in the, but it's not what I'm living after and hankering after. It's I'm looking forward to the future. So we have to forget our past achievement and successes, but also our past hurts and failures. And there isn't a person on earth who hasn't been hurt or hasn't failed. Only Jesus was the only one who never failed. So forget your failures. You've confessed your sins to God. You, you've, uh, you, you've brought your hurts to him. Surely he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Just like he did our sins, he's done that for our sorrows. So we can just hand them all over to God. All our failure. Failure, and if you dwell on failure, just paralyzes you. You one step forward, forge out and go forward in God. And then the third little part of forgetting is what it used to be like in a previous church or under a previous leader. You can thank God that there was something good and God did something and thank God for that leader. But you can't keep hankering after them. That's what we're talking about. We need people who are so intent on making Christ king and doing his will that they don't have time and to long for the past. 1, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 12, 31, Manasseh, it says this of Manasseh, causing forgetfulness. They were designated to come and make David king. And you can read Philippians chapter 3, the verses 7 through to 12 as well. It's so important. Maybe I should read that if you'll just give me a minute to get to my Bible. It's that important, really. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we'll just read those, just those five verses, I think it is. Uh, Philippians 3 verse from verse 7. This is what Paul writes. But what, whatever was to... to to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, 
I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. We've got to get there. Who's, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish. Why? That I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And, this goes, and then he says, this, I want to know Christ. And I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. We need people like that. You see, you're either a pioneer or you're a settler. <laughs> There's no in between. What are you? I'm not saying that unkindly. But stop and ask yourself, be honest. Lord, if I'm a settler, put some mercy thorns in my nest. Get me out of this nest of comfort. So how can we become pioneers and press it on into all that God has for, turning, uh, for us, turning disasters into victories? Well, one, commit yourself unreservedly to being radical about what God says for us to do and what God says about for us to be. Be radical in your commitment. I'm telling you that you can have numbers by just speaking well. Your communication gifts or whatever those skills may be. But you'll never have what God wants for you, a church that's an army, until you commit yourself unreservedly to Christ. Commit is a word that is left out of the Christian vocabulary in the church today. Commitment. Secondly, Lay all of your unrealistic expectations of God, others, and yourself at the foot of the cross. And we touched that in another part of one of these names. But you're going to have to do it if you want to become a true pioneer. Thirdly, ask God to heal you of all your hurts. Forgive those who hurt you and then live healed. Fourthly, walk in all the light that God has given you. Please hear me. You've got to walk in all the light that God has given you in the past and the present, so that light into the future doesn't become darkness. And then press on into him and all he's saying to you today. Moving on quickly, time running out. The next name we look at is Gad. And Gad means a seer or a troop is coming. We looked at that earlier on, but I just want to touch this again, the Genesis 30 verse 11, they're prophetic. People who can see what is coming, what lies ahead, like Acts chapter 2, verses 30 and 31, that David was a prophet, seeing what lay ahead. He spoke. People who can see what is coming, what lies ahead, where God is attempting to take us, what God is attempting to do with us, in us, through us. In other words, a sign of a season to come. God is wanting churches that when other churches look at them, they say, this is what I can see. This is where God's taking us. The book of Acts, still a sign of the season to come for most churches around the world today. A baby church, and here we are 2,000 years later, looking at that church and saying, that's what we want to become. You see, it's still a sign of a season to come. So what do you want your church to be? Merely pastoral or priestly? Or do you want it to become prophetic apostolic? Moving on quickly, because boy, the time is rushing away. The next name we look at is Asher, and Asher means happy. 
In other words, to be happy, you've got to be pleased. Asher means blessed, happy, pleased with God. Genesis 30 verse 13 says, How happy I am, and she named him Asher. And in 1 Chronicles 12, 36 says, Men of Asher, experienced soldiers, prepared for war. Happy people refresh others. They don't drain us. In order to be happy, we need God's joy. And joy comes from God alone. You can make yourself happy with circumstances and situations, but for real joy, that comes from God and God alone. And that is true joy. And you remember the old, old thing we used to say, and I'm talking about 50 years ago, joy is spelled J-O-Y. Joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Yourself last. In other words, total surrender, consecration, commitment, where we lay our lives down on the, at his feet on the altar. Psalm 34, 43 verse 3, 4 says, I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. That's where we get real joy, laying our lives down upon the altar. So we must be pleased with God. We must be, in other words, to be pleased with God, we've got to be rightly related with him. We've got to be delighting ourselves in him. We've got to see him as worthy of our total commitment, loyalty and worship. If you don't see that, you'll never get joy. If you're not totally pleased with God and what he has for you, his ways, no matter what uh, must change in our lives in order for us to line up with what he's, his ways, we've got to be happy with that, pleased with that, his ways, no matter what they cost. His people, the church, warts and all. Not that we agree with everything that they're doing or not doing, but we've got to learn to appreciate all of God's people, each member. And then we've got to be pleased with what he's doing in us and through his church today and trying to bring us into. Moving on quickly, we move to the twelfth one, and that is to be protective. Dan, judge, justice, vindicated. We did talk about that a little earlier on as well, but I'm coming back to it and saying this. In other words, we're not naive. To be able to judge, we're not naive, but able to see the ramifications of the decisions and statements today. And as I said before, we trust God to, uh, to um, vindicate us. We don't vindicate ourselves. Now, to close off, just very quickly, I want to remind you what it says here in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 38. It says, those who can keep rank, or as the New International Version puts it, fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks, fully determined to make, well, it was David there, Jesus, king of one mind. In other words, they could be depended upon no matter what. Constantly committed, showing up, were there. We as leaders need people who are there. Let's take a church meeting. We need people who are there. In with us there. Not saying I'll pray for you. There. In our translocal, people that are there, come with us, pray for us, stand with us. Are protective and providing. Where do you stand in all of this? Those are the people God wants to put around us. I'll remind you them again. Productive people, perceptive people, priests and partners, praisers, provision providers. 
people with the presence of God. That uh, Opanias, powerful people, protective people, prayers, prophetic and pleased with God. Ask God. God, will you start off by making me one of those and then surround me more and more with people like that, even if they come in as those defectors, debt, in debt, dissatisfied, whatever, disgruntled, whatever it may be. Help me to be one who sees them change and that they may see in me the change that you're bringing about. So, Father, I commit this word, all that has been said, the truth of the word of God, and the fact that you put these things in the Bible for us to learn and to embrace and to believe you for. Give us those kind of people and make us that kind of person. All of those that listen to this in Jesus' name. And I thank you. Amen. Blessings on you.